Take your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. This thing's going to cooperate with me. Galatians chapter 3, begin our reading in verse 10. Title this message, The Three States, Three Estates of Every Believer. Cursed, redeemed, and blessed. Cursed, redeemed, and blessed. The apostle here says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And here's the reason that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now the apostle has gone to great lengths here. The church at Galatia had made a grave error. They believed on Christ. They trusted Christ. And then some men came in and said, well, that's good. You should. You have to believe on Jesus Christ, but you must also obey the law of Moses in this one thing. You have to be circumcised. And Paul is spending his time in this book correcting this grave error. This grave error. And he says in the beginning of this chapter, O thoughtless Galatians, foolish. Who bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Have I not preached Christ, evidently said Christ before you? And then he asks these questions, how is it then, you that confess Christ, how is it that you have received the Spirit? We know this, that the Spirit of God is a gift of God's grace and mercy. And if you are a believer in Christ, you know this, without the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. So they all profess to have the Spirit, but tell me, how did the Spirit come to you? How did you receive the Spirit? Was it by the obedience of the law or by the hearing of faith? Tell me. Did the Spirit look down at you and see how great you were and then made a judgment to come to you because you were obedient to the law? No. He said, did you receive Him by the law, works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Well, it's a self-evident question. It's a rhetorical question. Of course it was by the hearing of faith. We heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and through the preaching of the gospel, the Spirit worked upon our hearts and we believed. And he says, now are you so foolish having begun this way, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Are you justified, made righteous by Jesus Christ and then by your obedience are you now made sanctified? No, that's foolish thought. In verse 5 he says, He that ministereth the Spirit unto you and works miracles among you, how does he do it? He's talking about God. He's not talking about the preacher. Preacher don't minister the Spirit unto you. Preacher don't work the miracles. It's God that works the miracles. It's God. Now how did he do it? Did he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And listen to what he says, even as Abraham. That's how he did it. Just like he did Abraham. He preached the gospel to Abraham. And by the grace of the Spirit, he believed. And it was counted to him for 
righteousness. In verse 9 he said, So then, even as, verse 6, Abraham believed God was counted him for righteous, so then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And so he says, Abraham believed the gospel. Now that he turns their attention back to this law that they so much desired to obey. And he is going to cause them to consider this law. He says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Under the curse of the law. Paul says, you that desire to be under the law, I want you to know that you can only be under its curse. Why? Because it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not, listen to this carefully, in all things written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, there is no such thing as picking out a certain section of the law and trying to obey it. Such as men do in our generation, the Ten Commandments seems to be the, the, the one. Here it was circumcision. In other places, it was Sabbath worship. In other places, it was the feast days. But in our day, it seems to be the Ten Commandments. That that's the section of law that they desire to uh, pull out for their sanctification or their righteousness or whatever. And Paul says you can't divide it. If you are... James says this. He said, I like the way James puts it. We, we look into the perfect law of liberty. That's, that's where our, that's, our law is a law of liberty. It's not talking about the law of Moses. Why? He even says in chapter 2, he says, if you are guilty in one of the law of Moses, you are guilty of all. And so I've been saying this over and over. If anyone desires to be in any part of the law, Sabbath worship, Tithing, if you desire to do that, if you desire to obey the Ten Commandments, you better find you a high priest, go knock down the mosque that's built over in Jerusalem, and offer sacrifices according to the law. Because that's just as much as part of the law as the Ten Commandments. And if you are guilty, if you are, if you are desirous to be under the law, you are under its curse because there's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. It's not only to give homage to the law, but rather to do them. That's what he said. Curse everyone that doesn't do all of them. Therefore, the conclusion is this, Paul says, no man, in verse 11, is justified by the law in the sight of God. That's just evident, isn't it? Go look in the mirror. Isn't it evident? Look in your heart. Isn't it evident that you're not going to be justified before God? Not by the deeds of the law. No flesh is going to be justified. But we are justified. How? Justified by faith. Now we who are justified by faith, we are not lawless. We are not without law. Why? He tells us our law right there in that same verse. He says, for the just shall live by faith. That is our law. It is a law of faith. The law of faith. The just shall live by faith. And this faith that we have is not a one-time thing. This tells us this. It's a constant, perpetual thing. I remember this from many years ago. Kind of helped me at one point. I was struggling with my faith. Didn't know my faith was real at all or not. I was mixed with so much unbelief and fear... And uh, Todd preached a message. He said it was called Faith Now. And he said, Faith 10 minutes ago and faith 10 minutes from now will not help me. Faith now is all that matters. Do you believe now? And now? How about now? That's the only thing that matters. We're just going to continually live by faith. Looking always and only to Jesus Christ for every aspect of my acceptance with God. 
I'll tell you, we struggle with that thing. One, don't we? Our faith is so mixed with unbelief and fear. And yet God continually gives it to us. Therefore, what, what, we have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in the flesh. We look to, not to the law or to works for any measure of our acceptability with God. God's people do, do good works. They, they do. He read Second Peter, put off all malice. And isn't that just right? <laughs> but as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that's how we that's how we act. We we desire to be that way. We long to be as as his dear children. Be followers of God as dear children. But yet we do not trust in any work that we have ever done or are doing. Never lean on it. Never depend on it for any acceptance. Therefore, it is the love of Christ that constraineth us, isn't it? That constrains me from sin. Ten commandments don't constrain me from sin. Have they stopped you? What do you say then? Verse 12, the law is not of faith. These two are opposed to one another. Got it? They just don't mix. You don't start by faith and finish by law. You start by faith, you walk by faith, and you're going to finish by faith. Law is not of faith. Now, I got plenty more I want to say about that, but I got to I got to move on. That was introduction. <laughs> Now let's look back at this text and look at this, uh, look at this good and perfect work of our Lord Jesus Christ as it's mentioned in verse 13. He said, Christ. Is there anything I want to do? I want to point you to Christ. My heart's desire is that we all would fall at the feet of of Christ. I thought of Ruth today and how she fell at Boaz's feet and said, Cover me, please, cover me. That's how I want us to do. I want us to come to Christ and lay down and ask Him to cover us with His righteousness, His grace. Christ. What did He do? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of of the law. How did he do it? Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. What did he do it for? That, the blessing of Abraham. What was that? The righteousness of God. Abraham believed God and it was counted in right. That was a blessing. That was the blessing. That that blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that you might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now in these verses, two verses, we have the three states of every believer cursed. Christ hath redeemed us from what? The curse of the law. We were all cursed. Secondly, I want to see the state Christ hath redeemed us from the first estate. He redeemed us. And thirdly, I want us to see that everyone who is redeemed is blessed. Is blessed. First of all, the curse. Curse. And we know this, the law is holy and just and good. There's nothing... When I said those things about the law, I'm not condemning the law. The law is good. The problem is us. The problem is us. The law is holy and just, and it demands that a man be holy and just. It demands absolute perfection in thought, in word, and deed. And as soon as a man commits one sin, as soon as one sin is committed, he is under the curse of the law. He is under its curse. As we just read, cursed is everyone that is written, that is, uh, 
As many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things written in the book of the law to do them. This is the first state. Everyone who is a believer in Christ, you know this about yourself. This was our first estate. We were cursed. We were cursed. This is truly the nature of every one of us who has come into this world as a result of the fall of Adam. This curse was passed upon us. Our Lord God said to Adam, In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I like, I thought of it today again. I said, you know, he didn't, he didn't say, If you eat of this, you shall die. No, he said, In the day you do. This was ordained, it was purposed. But when you do, you will surely die. And the, as sure as he did, as sure as he did, he died. But it wasn't an isolated event, was it? Wherefore, as by one man, Romans five twelve. whereas by one man, sin entered into the world. And what happened? The curse. Isn't death the curse? God pronounced a curse. And the curse was death. Death is always the result of sin. And death passed upon all men. For, this is why, all have sinned. I wasn't physically there when Adam did it. But I was in him when he did it. He was my head. He was your head. It just don't matter what men like or dislike about that. It don't matter. And therefore the Scripture has said, concluded this, There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There's not one. There's not one. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, I came not to condemn the world. Now why didn't He do that? Why didn't He not come into this world? It was already condemned. It was already condemned. He said, He that believeth on him that he that believeth on him on the Son is not condemned. That's it. He's justified and he's righteous. You that believe on him, I want you to give you a sneak peek of what redemption does. It frees you from this curse and this. You're justified. You're righteous and you are not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned what? Already. He's already condemned. We didn't come into this world believing, did we? We were unbelievers from birth, and we stayed that way until God came and gave us the Spirit and life. We are by nature children of wrath, Paul says, even as others. Because Adam, our federal head, sinned against God, the curse of death had fallen upon us all. We are born dead in trespasses and sins. We are born at enmity against God. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Now why is that? For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Natural man by nature hates God. You know, a man will believe anything but Christ alone. I mean, you can take some really smart, intelligent people and talk about their religion and they're, that's just stupid. It makes no sense whatsoever and they don't care. As long as it's not Jesus Christ alone. People say, well, I don't hate Jesus. I love Jesus. Listen, if you add anything to Jesus Christ, if you add anything to His death, to His burial, to His resurrection, to His righteousness, if you take anything you have done and try to finish the work that He did, you hate Him. You hate Him. You despise His work. You are telling Him His work is not sufficient. When God said it was done. 
God said it was sufficient, and you say, no. That's what you're doing. The fool has said in his heart, no, God. No. And because of sin, because of the curse that's upon us, we are blind, ignorant of the things of God. We're ignorant to this. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. We're ignorant. The wages of sin is death. When Adam was cursed, he brought spiritual death upon his whole creation. And he brought physical death. We see the the result of sin. Often we see our family, our friends that die. We see the full effect of what happened at the garden. Death came in the world. And then those that are without God, without Christ, who are remain under this curse, there is an eternal death, a second death in which the body and soul will forever die. Audrey was reading a book. I'm not even going to mention the name of it because it's a, it's a load of garbage. Guy said that hell was just a, a, a reference of mind, a state of mind. If he kept on believing that, that's where he does. He knows now it's not a state of mind. He knows it's a place. But every believer in Christ understands this because we too had our conversation in time past. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. But who? God. But God. If it was not for God to intervene, we would have remained cursed but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, in that while we were cursed, what did He do? He sent His Son. He sent His Son to do what? This is what is mentioned here in verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from what? The curse. We were by nature cursed, but here is our hope. Here is our standing. Here is our, 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 our desire of, to worship and praise God for this one person, Jesus Christ, who hath redeemed us from the curse. Redeemed us from the curse. Christ hath redeemed us. If sinners are to ever know the salvation, the redemption of Jesus Christ, they must first know they're cursed. Isn't that right? If you're, you're never going to desire to be redeemed from the curse if you don't know you're cursed. But this is what God reveals first, is that we were cursed. And when we feel the weight of that, when we feel our, our sin and our iniquity, what do we need? We need someone to redeem us from this. We need someone to pay the debt of this curse. So all of the elect of God were cursed as all of Adam's race, but now we see the love of God. You want to see the love of God. Oftentimes, I'm ignorant about this, and I I want to see the love of God in circumstance. I want to see the love of God uh, in something around me that I can touch, taste, and feel. A lot of times, we don't get that. But I tell you where you can see the love of God. You can see it in the death of His Son. You can see it in the giving of the most glorious and most precious thing He had. His Son. We see the love of God displayed in this, that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. So look now to Jesus Christ, 
who was appointed of God to be our Redeemer. Our Redeemer. God said, Behold, my servant. You see, Christ was still in glory with the Father at this time when, he, when that was written, right? And yet he was always purposed to be the servant. He was purposed to come into this world as a servant. He said, The one whom I uphold, my elect, whom my soul delighteth. When he comes, Isaiah wrote this, He shall not fail. You look at my servant. Don't look. I say look in the mirror. Don't look there. It's all you're going to see is a failure. When you look to Christ, you ain't going to see a failure. You're going to see someone who was successful. And therefore, he voluntarily, in love, Christ voluntarily came to be our Redeemer. He came down from heaven, took upon him the form of a servant. He became a man. He became sub subject to the law of God. What happened when we were subject to the law of God? We were cursed. Oh, but not this man. This man was not of the seed of Adam. He was the seed of the woman. He was of the Spirit of God. His body was made, and yet he had no sin. And he willingly came down, subjected himself to the law of God, and then offered himself upon the cross as a sacrifice for sin. And by his death, the scripture says, he hath redeemed us. I like some, the past tense of that. He's already done it. Christ has already redeemed us from the curse of the law. He did not make redemption possible. If you make something possible, then it's possible it fails. Possible it succeeds. But then it's possible it fails. No, when Christ went to the cross, He did not make redemption possible. He actually redeemed. He redeemed. When He died upon Calvary's tree, He had redeemed who? Us. Us. Now by this we know that Jesus Christ did not redeem those who are not redeemed. Very clear, isn't it? All those in hell are not redeemed. So when he went to the cross, he did not redeem them. He had no intention of redeeming them, and he didn't redeem them. But he did redeem us, those who were chosen of God. He redeemed who? The elect of God. That's who he redeemed. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, he said, We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. He chose you to be redeemed. He purposed for you to be redeemed. Have you thought of the, the spiritual blessing of that? That God chose you to be redeemed? That He purposed and willed that you should be redeemed. That there was nothing that would ever move him from this purpose. And when Christ came into this world, he set his face like a flint. He would not be moved until you were actually redeemed. He redeemed all those that the Father gave him. In that high priestly prayer, he says, I pray. For them. I pray not for the world. But for who? For them that thou hast given me. That's who I pray for. I pray for them. Why? Because they're yours. You chose them. And you gave them to me. And I pray for them. In that. 20th verse of that John 17 he said neither pray I thee for alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word everyone that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ these are the ones he has redeemed 
Those the Father gave him before the world began, those that the Father gives him in the saving operation of grace, every one of them will come to him by faith. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All of them that I redeemed, none of them shall fail to come to me. It's a, I know, I do this every Sunday, I see the fewness of those who really believe the gospel or have any interest in it. I do. Often I feel discouraged. But I want you to take to heart the church is always full. Isn't it? Isn't it always full? Is there ever a time where one member is going to be missing? No. Because at the appointed time, those that are lost, at the appointed time, He saves. There's no gap. There's no, no time where there's not one missing. They will all come. None of them will be lost. All of them will come to me. And when they do, I will in no wise cast them out. Isn't this an encouragement to sinners to come? Listen, if you can believe, believe. And when you do, He's not going to cast you out. He just said it. He said, I'm not going to cast them out. Why? He said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. What was His will? That you be redeemed. I came to do that will. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that of all He hath given me, I should lose how many? How many will He lose? How many did He say He will lose? Nothing. Zero. He will lose none of them, but raise them up at the last day. And He has redeemed all who believe. Do you believe? Do you believe on the Son of God alone? I've got nowhere else to go. And I don't want to go anywhere else. Christ is all. I believe. Listen, what he said to you believed. Christ hath redeemed you from the curse of the law. Yeah, this is then is the evidence of our redemption is faith in Jesus Christ. Wasn't that the evidence of Abraham? Even as Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. So they that which be of faith are blessed with who? Faithful Abraham. All the blessings of Abraham are yours. Why? Because Abraham was redeemed. He was redeemed by the same blood you were redeemed by. And the evidence of this is faith in Christ. Now, how has He redeemed us? We who were given to Christ from eternity, but born in darkness and under the curse of the law, yet God had pronounced the curse upon us. He had also purposed that Christ deliver us. How? Being made a curse for us. We who believe are redeemed by Jesus Christ, who was made a curse. And we were born under, we were born cursed. He was not. You see, he had to be made a curse. Something he wasn't. So that you can be made something you weren't. You weren't righteous. <laughs> but in order for you to be righteous, he had to be cursed. He had to bear the curse of the law. See, now that Jesus' redemption was accomplished so as to release us from the curse. So that instead of God's curse, we should receive what? That the blessing of Abraham might come on us. That's why he did it. Now, redemption. Now, what you consider redemption for a minute? It has two parts. 
Two parts in redemption. First of all, a price must be paid. If someone is going to be redeemed, it means that a ransom price is set and a ransom price must be paid. Otherwise, you can't be redeemed. And the second part of redemption is, if the price is paid, the captive must be delivered. Must be delivered. We by nature were born under the curse of death and Jesus in order to redeem us must pay the ransom price. And so as we were given to Christ, He came as our substitute and out of love for us, in order to ransom us, He willingly bore the curse. That's what Paul says when he says that in 2 Corinthians 5, whereas he was made sin, God made him sin for us. Made him to be sin for us. This is the most astounding thing in all of Scripture that he was made sin for us who knew no sin. That's astounding. I don't grasp it and I don't, don't dare listen to anybody that thinks they got it. I just don't. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to grasp this. He was made sin, and yet, listen, he thought no sin. He felt no sin. He did not love sin. He, everything in him was righteous. And yet, under the justice of God, he was made sin. Mystery. Mystery. God doesn't punish a man that really isn't guilty. That's an abomination, isn't it? I don't understand it. But that's how He redeemed me. He became a curse. And I like this. It's written. You know, when you read that, that ends all debate. I, don't, I, don't, I quit after this. Once you understand what this says, I don't like to talk to you. If you're going to argue with me, I don't want to talk to you anymore. It's written. Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. Was he hung on a tree? Was he cursed? It's written he was. It's written he was. He bore our sin in his own body, and for three hours our Lord suffered the holy justice of God's wrath without mercy. only one who deserved mercy. And to pay my debt, he had to suffer without it. You want to know how precious his blood was? In three hours, he did what no man could do in an eternity of hell. And in three hours, he suffered not just for the sins of one man, but all the sins of all the men that were given to him. Awake, O sword, against, the, against my shepherd, the man that is my fellow. Saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Why? So I can turn my hands to the little ones. I can't turn my hands to the little ones unless the ransom is paid. I can't save my people unless my justice is satisfied. Go to Hebrews 10. I think this is a most... I, I love this passage of Scripture. It sure gives me a lot of comfort. Hebrews 10, verse 9, Our Lord said this, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. What's that? I'm going to take away the first and I may establish the second. The first covenant bring, brought a curse. 
But I may establish the second, which is a covenant of mercy, a covenant of grace. I came to do His will. What was His will? By the which will we are sanctified. Oh man, you want... I love this scripture because it, it sums up sanctification very clearly. You are sanctified by the will of God. You're made holy because God purposed you to be holy. Listen. How? Through something. Through the offering of the body of Christ, you were sanctified. You were sanctified by the will of God. You were made holy by the will of God. You were made holy when He paid for your sins at Calvary. You were made holy. Where's your sin? If He really paid for it, where is it? Could God ever be just to bring it up again? If it's really paid... Now, if it's pretend paid, sure, we're not talking about a pretend Savior. We're talking about a real Redeemer who actually redeemed. And how many times were you sanctified? What does it say? Once. You were sanctified by the will of God through the offering of the body of Christ. How many times? Once. Now you did receive this sanctification through faith. You received it. It's yours right now, you that believe. You are sanctified by the Spirit of God. I just read that in 2 Thessalonians, didn't I? He said you, uh, that God chose you to salvation. How? Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. That sanctification that was bought for you, you received it through the work of the Spirit. Look what it says. And every priest standeth daily ministering all from the same time, same sacrifices, never removed sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, what'd he do? He sat down. He sat down and showed you what? It's finished. You don't sit down until it's done. What'd he do? He sat down. From henceforth expecting his enemies to be made. Oh, where did he sit down? He sat down at the right hand of God. He didn't just sit down anywhere. He sat down on the throne. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by his one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You sanctified by the will of God. You sanctified through the redemption of Christ. Listen to what he did for you. He perfected you forever. Why? How did he do that? He was made a curse. He was made a curse. And his death actually redeemed his people. He paid for all their sins. That's the first part of redemption. It must be sin must be paid in order for you to be redeemed from the curse. And that's exactly what happened. He redeemed us. What's the second part of this? Deliverance. If you go and you're, you see someone you love is in prison, you go pay a fine. And you pay the fine, but they never let him go. What good is that? Obviously you didn't pay enough. Obviously something's wrong with this transaction. Either the judge is unjust, the law is unjust, or you didn't pay enough. But we know both are true that Christ paid exactly what God demanded. He said it's finished. He said it's paid. And God is just. Therefore, what? Everyone that is redeemed must be delivered. I like that when he said, other sheep I have of this fold, them I also, what's the word? Must bring. Now, when God says He has to do something, that's important, isn't it? I can't do anything else but deliver them. What is the Scripture? Deliver him from going down the pit. Why? I have found a ransom. I have found a ransom. <laughs> Behold, the price is paid in full. 
And I want you to know this. If you try to add anything to his price, you are again telling him his price is not sufficient. What do you, I ask this to people who want to talk about a progressive holiness. What, what do you suppose to add? Okay, there's Christ and His righteousness. Now what do you suppose to add to that? What work are you going to put up there? And if they say anything at all, I, I'm just done. That, there's no reason for it. They don't, they don't have any clue about the curse that they're under. They don't, they don't know. Our redemption is full, and I know this. Everyone He redeems, He's going to deliver. I like the illustration of Gomer and Hosea. Remember that? Now, He bought her. He bought her. And you remember how she left Him and went whoring after her lovers. And all the while she was doing this, He was still providing for her. Until the time of her deliverance. When he said, okay, that's enough. What did he begin to do? He took away all of those things that he was giving her. All those things she thought came from her lovers. He took them away. He took her joy. He took, he took all the pleasures of these things away. He made her gods to be as they are, vanity. Isn't that what he did to us? Did He not redeem us? And then where did we go? We went a whoring. He still provided all that we needed all along our life until when? Until the time He said that's enough. And He started taking away the joy of sin. Taking away the joy of this world. Showing us the vanity of our false God that we have made in our minds. And notice how He brings her to himself, you remember in Hosea, he said, I will allure her. That, that just don't sound right. Maybe he should have said something like, I should beat her. She, she, would, she was a wicked woman, boy. No, he said, that's not how I'm going to do it. How did he, he bring you? Do you not allure you into a wilderness, a solitary place, and speak? comfortably to her what is he going to say I'm going to give you those vineyards and the valley of Achar for a door of hope remember old Achar the valley of Achar is where Achan was that old Achan stole all that stuff and, and they weren't allowed to defeat that little, little village of Ai and you remember it was only after Achan died that they were able to win Achan was a picture at that point of Christ. Where did that happen? Valley of Achar. God's always pointing you to His Son. And what is Achar? Door of hope. Sinner, you need hope. I ain't got no hope in the law. I've got no hope of saving myself. Christ says, look, I have redeemed you. That's comfortable words. And He says, in that day, she's, not going, to, she's going to call me beloved husband. And she's not going to call me master anymore. Before that, she's called him master. But after that day, she said, that's my beloved husband. This is how He delivers us. Even as he did Abraham. Look, the third state then of everyone who is delivered, everyone who is called, look at this. That, verse 14, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. What's this blessing? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Abraham was blessed in this. He was justified. He was justified. 
lot of men in religion seek to be justified by men. I tell you, that's of no value. I need to know if I'm justified before God. And what did Abraham find when he heard the gospel and believed? God says he counted it to him for righteousness. I preached this last week that there's only one righteousness. And not many righteousnesses are there. Who possesses righteousness? Who's the only one has it? God. God's the only one righteous. Righteousness belongs to Him. You know what He does to everyone He delivers? He gives us His own righteousness. That's the blessing of Abraham. That's the blessing of Abraham. Paul says in Romans 4 verse 3, He said, What saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, it was counted him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is not the reward reckoned of grace, but of debt. Do you work for this righteousness? Nope. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted to him for righteousness. What is the object of our faith? It is Christ and his righteousness. And this blessing of righteousness is imputed to us by God. Paul says in Romans 4.16, Therefore it is of faith. What? Righteousness. It's received by faith. Now righteousness isn't made by faith. It's received by faith. Christ made the righteousness. Therefore it is of faith. And that by grace. What's by grace? Faith. For what purpose? To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. See, it's sure. You who were cursed are redeemed. You're redeemed. You that are redeemed and have received this redemption through faith, you have the promise of God that He gave to Abraham. Which is what? The promise of life. The promise of mercy. The promise of forgiveness. The promise of peace. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. So how do we live? We that have been redeemed, how do we live? We live continually looking to that redemption. We continually hold fast to that redemption as all are standing before God. You were cursed. Now you're redeemed. And you that were redeemed are blessed. Blessed with faithful Abraham. Pray God will bless this to you.